Three, two, one. Welcome to the Dave of the Dog Trainer Podcast, episode 121. Climbing up the numbers still, back with another episode for you. Here we are. Um, well, first off, I'd like to point out that Josh and I are the pattern shirt boys today. Yes. We, <laughs> we love a good pattern shirt. You know. It feels great. There's just something about, like, oh. I feel like, you know, like, women have so many options for different clothing that they could wear. You know what I mean? Yeah. And what do we have? We've got like button up shirts and classic tees. Yeah. That's about it. You know? So so I feel like every man hits a point in their life where they decide to take those two options and just really <laughs> have fun with the pattern sometimes. Yeah. And that's where I'm at right now in my life, you know? Same. I'm a pattern shirt guy. I wear a button up shirt almost every day. Yeah. And I go find fun patterns. Yeah. You so know, here we are. So we'll show them yeah. off on the podcast for you guys. Yeah. Also, I don't know if you noticed these little buttons. You know. Yeah, you got like the you got like the, the cowboy button look. Yeah. You know. Nice snaps. Yeah. 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 yeah I don't. I haven't. Ever, I haven't had a snap button shirt in a long time. Yeah. See, those make me nervous sometimes because if I get them too small, you know, you just, <laughs> just like Hulk out of it sometimes. Right? Yeah. I guess that'd be a cool party trick though. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey. <laughs> While you're on the boat. Yeah. So here we are. Uh, we got a couple things we'll talk about today. So first off, I'd like to tell everybody, if you haven't already seen, I did a podcast on Friday. I was oh. invited onto um, Canine Academy Toronto's podcast. I believe the, the, the gentleman's name is Anish. Uh, he's a trainer up there in Toronto, Canada. And we had a killer hour and a half long conversation. It's up live Ooh. on like his Spotify channel and stuff, I believe. What do you look up for it? Let me just let me just hit everybody with the. Uh, yeah, I want to look. Here it is. It's called Everything Dogs. It's on Spotify. Everything Dogs podcast. Uh, it's the most recent episode. You guys can obviously go on there and and take a listen to that. We talked about all sorts all sorts of stuff. You know, it was uh again, man, all these people being way more prepared than I ever am with stuff. He was like, <laughs> we started it before and we got on the Zoom, and I, I feel like I kind of catch our our guests off guard sometimes because like when they open the Zoom chat. We're recording, right? Like yeah. It's, like, it's yeah. like right off the rip. We've had some people where we talked before, and then they're like, wait a minute, have we started? And we're like, yeah. Oh, shit, okay. Right? He like, he, like, briefed me before we started. And we're like, John, he's like, hey, man, I just don't want to catch you off guard. I just like, here's the topics that I want to go over. Do those all sound good? I was like, yeah. I was like, hit me with anything, dude. Like, I don't <laughs> care, right? Uh, but we, we had an awesome conversation, and it really uh, – I guess I was a little nervous going into it initially when he really? did present all of those like points yeah. just because I was like, oh, you know, like, like I, I couldn't tell if he was going to be like the kind of person that like doesn't like going off the rails a little bit with stuff. And, uh, you know, like my style is, yeah. you know, this conversation turns into that conversation turns into that conversation and stuff. Yeah. So I started doing that a couple times at the beginning and, and, and it vibed nicely. And then we kind of just rolled with it. That's we talked good. about all sorts of shit. We talked a lot about uh, dog reactivity. We talked a lot about... Um, starting companies we started a lot or we talked a lot about uh issues in the dog world right now a uh, mm. couple little things that we discussed that like we had very i would say for the most part we had very similar viewpoints on a lot of things uh which was really cool um even yeah. at one point of the podcast i brought up the bonker right and i i knew that that was either going to be uh we're going to really agree on this or we're definitely not going to agree on this yeah and it was it, it turned into an awesome conversation he's also cool. obviously a proponent of the tool and stuff um, so, so it was great. I recommend everybody head over and listen to it yeah. um, and, and check it out. And uh, he will be joining us on our podcast here in the next couple of weeks also. Hey. A little, what do they call it? A little quid pro quo? Is that? Yeah. 
Is that the correct term for that? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or cro- cross-promotion, we'll just say that. <laughs> you scratch my back, I scratch yours? Yeah. One of those, you know? Yeah, what are you guys going to talk about, though? I don't watch? know. That's why I told him. He was like, he, we were setting it up. We're like, yeah, like, I'll do yours, and then you can come on and do mine. And I was like, but maybe we should give it a couple weeks in between. Yeah. So, so we, like, develop a little bit of further conversation yeah. to, like, dive into, yeah. you know? Um, and hopefully I can get him for a little longer. I felt like the conversation was really flowing and I don't know. I think I was looking at his page. Most of his podcasts are in like the hour range, hour 15 minute range, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I think uh, he had some stuff he needed to do. So we kind of had to hop off, but I really think we could have had a really solid long conversation. You love the long ones, man. I do. You know, it's like sometimes when it's just flowing, I just try to channel my inner Joe Rogan <laughs> Joe go for Rogan. three hours straight, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. So, so yeah, so we did that Friday nice. um, and, and here we are today. We got some things we're going to talk about. So, um, you know, again, a lot of my topics lately that I've been going over are just centered around things that people message me or DM me and stuff like that, yeah. creating interesting conversation. So I had somebody send me um, a reel the other day um, and said, what do you think of this? Is this not basically just incompatible behaviors? Uh the force free community called it differential behaviors. Um, you know, basically, isn't that the same thing as incompatible? Asking me a question about a reel, which sparked a conversation for me, and I'll play this reel in a minute because I actually haven't watched this reel yet. Right? Okay. I don't. I don't know anything about it. I don't know what it is. Um, but it 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 kind of sparked this thought that I feel like in the dog world right now, there's so many uh, trigger words or like fancy terminology thrown around that a lot of people don't fully understand, Mm -hmm. right? Trainers as well as owners, right? So, so today we're going to take this opportunity to dive into the conversation of differential reinforcement a little bit, which is a very common term that the force-free community, uh, throws out there. And past just that, as I started digging into it a little bit, uh, as far as finding good articles to read on it and stuff today, it looks like a lot of this started in like the child teaching space. So most of these, uh, most of these articles and stuff are centered around psychologists that are um, working with children, right? So mm-hmm. working on like behavioral modification with children and stuff. And then maybe mm-hmm. we'll go off on a little tangent on some of that kind of stuff too. Okay. What was the term again? Differential reinforcement. Differential reinforcement. Yeah, we'll get into it. So Jeez. let's watch this reel first. Again, I haven't watched this yet. This is All by right. uh, Sailor Jerry Dog Training. So let's see what we get. The humane hierarchy, and it's actually probably my the humane hierarchy. <laughs> favorite step that I find the most interesting, and it is differential reinforcement of alternative behaviors, which is a fancy way of saying I taught my dog a different behavior when he wants to do the thing over there. An example would be my dog wants to jump up. When I come in the door, he's really excited. So instead, I teach a cue of find it when I walk in the door, or I teach a cue of place when I come in the door. We're talking about replacing undesirable or unsafe behaviors with uh, behaviors that are more in alignment with what that particular pet parent wants me Pet parent is also another trigger word that's getting thrown around a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast or not, but you're not allowed to say you're a dog owner anymore. What? You're not allowed to say you're a dog owner anymore because dogs are individuals that cannot be owned. They are individuals. So you are their parent or their guardian now. You're a dog guardian or a pet parent. It's what society wants and needs, what that dog needs, 
you know, there's a lot of variables to that, but you're just at a, at a very simple level. All we're doing is replacing a behavior with something more appropriate. Today, we're talking about... Okay, so what she's referring to is incompatible behavior. She's teaching incompatible behaviors. Differential... Re and this is what confused the person that sent this to me, right? Mm -hmm. So differential reinforcement actually has little to do with the behavior that you're teaching. And in a nutshell, differential reinforcement just has to do with what we're reinforcing or not reinforcing. Meaning you are reinforcing things you like, mm. like and removing reinforcement from things that you don't like. Mm. Right? So her terminology behind it is actually, she is referring to specifically redirecting the dog with incompatible behaviors, mm. which is not the case because for differential reinforcement to work, and again, I'm going to read the article and really get sciencey with it, All stuff right. like that. But for differential reinforcement to work, the dog has to realize that there is no reinforcement behind the behaviors that we don't want them to do, which mm. ultimately should, in their world, lead to extinction of that behavior. But if you're constantly just redirecting the dog and giving your cue every time before the dog rehearses the inappropriate behavior, okay. all you're doing is using an incompatible behavior. You're not actually enforcing differential reinforcement at its core with that. So that yeah. reel is actually a little bit false. Mm. So sorry, Sailor Doctor. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. So I, I brought up this article. This is from thinkpsych.com. And this is a guide to differential reinforcement in ABA. I actually don't know what ABA is. Let's see if we can find that out real quick. Hmm. <clears throat> ABA. Uh, applied behavior analysis, mm. I believe. Let's figure out what that is. <laughs> We're digging deep here. We're digging deep. I want to make sure we got all the right terminology. Applied behavior analysis is the type of interpersonal therapy in which a child works with a practitioner one-on-one. -on -one. The goal of applied behavior analysis is to improve social skills by using interventions that are based on principles of learning theory. So you are a human trainer. Yeah. That's all that means, right? Mm -hmm. It means that uh, applied behavior analysis is a fancy word for you are the trainer of the child. You are uh, 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 analyzing and applying behavioral modification yeah. techniques to an individual. So basically... <laughs> I'm going to go around and start calling myself an ABA now. Yeah. Because that is literally <laughs> the same thing that we're doing with dogs. Okay. So guides differential reinforcement in ABA. Okay. Okay. Let's give it to me. <clears throat> differential reinforcement is an evidence-based procedure used in ABA therapy. Differential reinforcement procedures can increase adaptive behaviors while simultaneously decreasing behaviors that interfere with one's learning or quality of life. Right, So you are trying to increase things that you like and decrease things that you don't like. Yeah. What is differential reinforcement? Differential reinforcement combines two core ABA principles, extinction and reinforcement. Certain behaviors are reinforced while others are placed on extinction. This increases occurrences of positive or adaptive behaviors while decreasing maladaptive Adaptive, maladaptive behaviors. Let's figure out what that means. Maladaptive. Maladaptive behavior definition. <clears throat> maladaptive behavior is defined as behavior that interferes with an individual's activities of daily living or ability to adjust and to participate in particular settings. Mm. We'll call those unwanted behaviors. Yeah. <laughs> Fancy words. For I that. know. 
So now we got to get into the definitions. Reinforcement. Reinforcement is the process of adding or removing stimuli, reinforcers, following a target behavior. The presence of removal of the reinforcer results in an increased future likelihood of that behavior. Reinforcer can be anything, an activity, a tangible item, social attention, etc. Check out our guide with 101 reinforcement ideas. I would be interested to dig into Ooh. that one as well. <laughs> okay. Extinction. What is extinction? Extinction is a procedure used to reduce challenging behaviors without punishment. In an extinction procedure, behaviors that previously received reinforcement are no longer reinforced, resulting in a gradual decrease in the behavior. Okay. Mm. So extinction is a more organic way of removing unwanted behaviors. And obviously because you're not actively doing anything to stop the behavior or inhibit the behavior, the dog or the human in this case no longer wants to re or wants to participate in the unwanted behavior, right? Now, here is the here. issue with extinction because a lot mm. of force-free trainers throw around extinction. We use extinction, we use extinction, we use differential reinforcement, right? Mm. In order for extinction to work, we have to ensure, if, well, first off, this is assuming that every behavior that a dog possibly exhibits ever is being done because there is some sort of reinforcement behind the behavior, which I don't completely disagree with. Mm -hmm. But I do think that sometimes once behaviors just become strongly ingrained habits, they are just mindlessly doing those things because they can without a whole lot of thought of the reinforcement behind the behavior. Okay. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> so, so the problem with this idea is if we're going to look at extinction and say, okay, this is something we're going to implement. I want to stop jumping, right? Mm -hmm. So I need to make sure that I can extinguish that behavior, right? You have to be completely in control of the reinforcement the dog is getting from it at all times, right? And in a lot of cases, we could look at something like jumping, for example, and I could say, well, the, the reinforcement behind the behavior for jumping is that every time the dog jumps on people, those people pet them or they look mm. at them, or they talk to them, or they do something that the dog perceives as getting attention or whatever it may be. Yeah. But what if the dog likes jumping on people because they like the way that the your genes feel on their paws, right? <laughs> or they like that they get closer to being able to smell your face, right? Or they like any yeah. number of these other things that you don't have as much complete control over. Well, mm. I could look at some of those behaviors and, and if the dog is jumping because they like the way that your genes feel on their paws, right? Well, I could have all of my guests wear non-gene related clothing, <laughs> right? I could, you know, you know, we could look at this and we yeah. could say, well, I could, I could, I could figure out that reinforcement and I could remove it, right? But not all reinforcement you're going to have control over, right? Mm. I've used the example before a lot of times of like chasing squirrels, right? Mm -hmm. Where hypothetically in a perfect world, if you wanted to use a force-free approach to remove the reinforcement behind chasing squirrels, right? We would say, okay, well, the reinforcement is when the squirrel runs, your dog gets to chase it. Right, mm -hmm. but it's like you don't have control over the squirrels not running. How are you going to make them not run, et cetera, yeah. et cetera? It's a faulty logic, yeah, because everything that your dog does, you will not have control over all of the surrounding elements of it, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Which is why, again, we get back to we use corrections for things, right? Um, your your differential reinforcement of trying to remove the reinforcement behind the unwanted behaviors, reinforcing things you want, and applying inhibitions to those unwanted behaviors through corrections is a more balanced approach, mm -hmm. right? Anyways, we'll continue going on here. Yeah. Types of differential reinforcement. Five differential reinforcement procedures are commonly used in ABA therapy. 
Let's review each one with examples. <clears throat> differential reinforcement of other behaviors. The differential reinforcement of other behaviors procedure reinforces the absence of a target behavior while withholding reinforcement when the target behavior is demonstrated. When using a DRO, the therapist provides reinforcement when the child engage in any behavior other than the target behavior. Let's consider an example. And when I read this example, I think it kind of speaks for itself on how kind of ridiculous it is, right? Okay. So let's talk about this. Mm -hmm. Let's consider an example. Imagine a child engages in frequent aggressions consisting of hitting and pushing peers. A DRO procedure would entail reinforcing any behaviors the child demonstrates other than aggression. This means the child could engage in other harmful behaviors while still reinforcing or while still receiving reinforcement. DROs can become tricky as we might inadvertently reinforce other challenging behaviors. Nonetheless, DRO procedures can be very effective when well-planned. So the idea here is that you're ignoring the aggression and yeah. you're reinforcing anything else that the, the child, I keep wanting to say dog, yeah. that the child, child or the dog does yeah. aside from that, right? So let's say your dog tries to attack people that come in the door. Well, if they just run over to the door and don't attack the person, you're going to reward them for that? If they run over to the person and bark at them instead of attack them, you're going to reinforce for that. When the dog runs over to them and then jumps on them but doesn't attack them, you're going to reinforce for that, yeah. right? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> okay. Differential reinforcement of alternative behaviors. So this is the method in which um, Sailor Jerry dog training was taught. Okay. A DRA procedure is similar to a DRO, but instead of reinforcing any other behaviors, we reinforce a specific alternative behavior. Consider our previous example of a child who frequently becomes aggressive. Using a DRA, we would deliver reinforcement when the child engages in a particular alternative behavior. The alternative behavior would depend on the function of the child's behavior. For example, if this child pushes peers to gain attention, an alternative behavior could be greeting or asking the peers to play. When the child greets their peers, reinforcement is provided, and reinforcement is withheld when they push or hit their peers. A DRA procedure can be very beneficial for decreasing a particular behavior while reinforcing a specific alternative behavior. So, so I just want to, I just want to, this is, this is a conversation we talk about a lot, right? And there's, mm -hmm. there's two more forms of differential reinforcement we'll get in also, right? Okay. So, so my issue with all of this is let's look at how the mind works, right? Mm -hmm. We are seeking direction at all times, right? We are seeking reinforcement, right? We are seeking direction of what's expected of us, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah. So every single one of these, right, is taking this crazy, long about, roundabout approach of trying to get somebody to stop doing something without telling them to actually stop doing it. Yeah. I just don't, I can't wrap my head around how that <laughs> makes any sense. No. Like when you're talking about it, I'm just thinking like, okay, we're addressing everything but the elephant in the room, basically. Yes. Like, how does that, <laughs> I mean, I guess over time it, 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 it could diminish it, but it, I don't think it would ever make anything go away sure if something becomes less fun for me to do i'm going to do less of it yeah right but that does not take it off of the table as far as an option of things that i could do yeah exactly right like yeah. again like i i could find 
I'm sure there's a bunch of things that I could do that are more fun than robbing a bank that somebody <laughs> could reinforce me for doing if I yeah. had a bank robbing problem. <laughs> but if one day I got the itch because I wasn't getting constant differential reinforcement for the other thing, yeah. I got the itch to, eh, let me try to rob that bank again. Yeah, There's nothing that's ever been told to me to not go and do that thing. Yeah. So I'm still going to go and do that thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so because again, there's still reinforcement behind that, right? Yeah. So I don't know. Whatever. So next one, differential reinforcement of incompatible behaviors. In a DRI procedure, we reinforce incompatible behaviors while placing the target behavior on extinction. An incompatible behavior is one that cannot physically co-occur with the targeted behavior. Let's continue with our aggression example. Consider what behaviors cannot coincide with hitting and pushing. Any behaviors that occupy one's hands cannot co-occur with hitting and pushing. I wouldn't. I would. I would actually say that I could occupy my hands holding things and still hit or push somebody. Yeah. <clears throat> For a child who pushes peers, a DRI might consist of reinforcing the child when they occupy their hands with a fidget tool or a stuffed animal. While differential reinforcement of incompatible behaviors can be beneficial, it is not always the best option. <clears throat> Identifying incompatible behaviors that are functional and appropriate for the learner can take time and effort. So would this one be kind of like if your dog is going after a squirrel, you're trying to like use a lure to get away from the squirrel? Would that well, be what are two example? what are two things that that couldn't go together? Right. So like if your dog, well, there's there's many examples. Let's say you're trying to stop your dog from actually killing the squirrel, yeah. right? Well, if your dog is holding an object in their mouth, but oh, okay. still chasing the squirrel, yeah. they couldn't actually kill it. Yeah. Right? If you're trying to stop your dog from chasing the squirrel, your dog cannot hold a down stay and chase the squirrel at the same time. Right? Gotcha. Um, and the difference between the incompatible behaviors and the alternative behaviors. Let's, let's read those two one more time. So consider uh, a DRA procedure is similar to a DRO, but instead of reinforcing any other behaviors, we reinforce a specific alternative behavior. Consider our previous example of a child who frequently becomes aggressive using a DRA. We would deliver reinforcement when the child engages a particular alternative behavior. The alternative behavior would depend on the function of the child's behavior. For example, if this child pushes peers to gain attention, an alternative behavior could be of greeting or asking the peers to play. So it's something, okay, so incompatible behavior would not put the child in a position where they can even do the behavior, right? Where in this first example, your child can go and greet and ask peers to play and still push them or hit them, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. <clears throat> So in the case of uh, in the case of the squirrel, let's look at this from a dog example, mm -hmm. right? I could teach the dog to just run with the squirrel without something in their mouth, and when they or sniff the squirrel. Mm -hmm. let's, let's use a better example. If your dog is 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 attacking cats, okay. right? I could reinforce the dog just going and sniffing the cat politely as mm -hmm. an alternative behavior to biting the cat, right? Yeah. In the case of the incompatible behavior. That's where I would teach the dog to hold something in the presence of the cat because they physically could not still bite the cat then in that moment, mm. right? And this is what I mean. Like, again, we're still really, really overcomplicating all of this kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, big time. Mm -hmm. Big time. Okay, next one. Differential reinforcement of low rates of behavior. A DRL is a great choice for behaviors that don't necessarily need to be eliminated altogether but do need to decrease. In a DRL, we reinforce predetermined lower levels of target behavior. Since aggressions are not a behavior that is acceptable at all, let's use a different example for the DRL. 
Imagine a child who requests a break every two minutes during a non-preferred task. Asking for a break when overwhelmed is a great advocacy skill. However, this may interfere with the child's ability to learn and participate when it occurs at such a high rate. A DRL procedure could be implemented to decrease the rate of manding for a break by increasing the inter-response time of the mands. For example, the baseline for this behavior is two minutes. In this case, we might provide reinforcement if the child tolerates the activity for two and a half minutes before requesting a break, then three minutes, and so on. So Hmm. you are slowly stretching out the amount of time in which you are going to reinforce for the child to to do a behavior that is not a totally inappropriate behavior, mm-hmm. um, but you do need them to do less of. Okay. Next one, differential reinforcement of high rates of behavior. In each of the previously discussed differential reinforcement procedures, the primary goal was to decrease a target behavior by reinforcing other behaviors. In a DRH, the goal is to increase the rate of the target behavior. We could do this by providing reinforcement when a predetermined rate of the behavior is achieved. Here is an example of DRH. A child who attends school eats very slowly. This child has 20 minutes to eat lunch, which results in him often not finishing all of his lunch or getting extra time to finish, which cuts into recess. And of course, recess is his favorite part of the school day. A DRH could be implemented to decrease the time between bites to encourage quicker eating. The child's paraprofessional provides social praise when the child takes bites at a predetermined inter-response time faster than their baseline. If you're looking to increase the rate of a target behavior, DRH could be a great option. Hmm. So those last two are a little different because you're not looking to extinguish behaviors in those two. You're looking to either decrease or increase certain behaviors. Mm -hmm. And in the case of differential reinforcement, let's say your dog is holding, you're working on teaching a bed steak, right? Mm Um, th- these are ones that are actually like applicable, right? So if, if you're working on teaching your dog to hold a bed stay, right? And you haven't added corrections into the process yet. And your dog will hold that bed stay for 30 seconds, right? Mm-hmm. Well, every time you get 32 seconds, you're going to jackpot. You're going to reinforce, okay. right? And then mm-hmm. every time you get 35 seconds, you're going to jackpot and reinforce. And you slowly, slowly, slowly stretch that out until mm-hmm. you're getting more and more of it. Right? Okay. Hmm. <clears throat> Choosing differential reinforcement procedure. Which differential reinforcement procedure to use will depend on a number of factors, such as the target behavior, the baseline levels of the target behavior, whether the goal is to increase or decrease the behavior, the long-term goals, the function of the target behavior, alternative behaviors that are in the child's repertoire, the child and stakeholders' preferences. Each differential reinforcement procedure has research supporting its effectiveness. However, choosing the procedure that makes the most sense given the child's unique circumstances, is vital. Hmm. So that's your crash course into differential reinforcement. Hmm. <clears throat> Again, nine out of ten times when you hear people talking about differential reinforcement, it's going to mm-hmm. be pertaining to the one, two, three, um, the three first examples. So differential reinforcement of other behaviors, alternative behaviors, and incompatible behaviors, mm-hmm. right? Other behaviors being the loosest, meaning you will reinforce anything other than 
the problematic behavior. Mm -hmm. Differential reinforcement of alternative behaviors is you're picking one specific thing that you're going to reinforce as opposed to many different things, but it's not necessarily something that is completely incompatible with the behavior you're trying to eliminate. Mm -hmm. And then differential reinforcement of incompatible behaviors, meaning you are picking something that it's literally impossible for the dog to do this and this at the same time, or the human to do this and this at the same time. Yeah. Your other two, low rates of behavior, high rates of behavior, is you're using differential reinforcement to decrease a behavior but not totally extinguish it. Differential reinforcement of high rates of behavior is you're trying to increase behaviors, not extinguish them, Mm -hmm. right? Most people are referring to the first three. And again, the the person asked me, they said, you know, what is, what did they say? Hold on, let me pull it up. They said, what do I think of this? Isn't it just basically incompatible behaviors? Uh, It's called different. They're calling it differential behaviors, differential reinforcement. Um, Then I explained what it was. They said, I got it. I guess that's useful. Before the unwanted behaviors become deep-seated habits, I guess. It's just how she portrays it as a fix. My clients don't have all the time or aren't home 100% of the time to keep it consistent. I don't want to sit here and be like, it's not going to work, right? Yeah. Um, Because that's not necessarily the case, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It would work, right, under some circumstances, right, depending on, again, like they said, the behavior that you're trying to eliminate, obviously. Um, And for things that are just like, like, let's say you have a puppy, right? You could implement differential reinforcement cycles, like for stuff like that, like mm-hmm. mouthing, for example, right? When a young puppy that's like eight weeks old first starts like biting at your hands and stuff like that, I don't necessarily need to come in right off the rip with like the hammer of God and like correct that, right? And stop those types of things. In a lot of cases, we implement non-reinforcement for, for those types of things, right? The very first step of working on behavioral modification is let's figure out if we can find a reason why the dog is rehearsing this behavior, Right? and implement in some sort of non-reinforcement, take away the reinforcement behind that behavior to make the dog less likely to want to do it. Mm -hmm. But I think that anybody under the face of the sun that lives in the real world can say that under most circumstances, unless you actually teach the dog you're not allowed to do that specific thing, Mm -hmm. they're still at some point going to want to rehearse that again. Right. I've almost never seen a puppy that I could just ignore play biting and have it completely go away without the need of some sort of correction. Yeah. Without the need of some sort of aversive. Right. That aversive doesn't need any need to be anything crazy motivating or anything like that. Sometimes um, that could simply be me just, hey, right, giving a stern hey or a little flick on the nose. Right. Or something a little you know, pinch their cheek or something like that, right? A little pet corrector, a little spray bottle. It could could be anything, right? Mm -hmm. But being able to clearly identify and stop an unwanted behavior by actually telling them we don't want you to do this is so beneficial. And that's my problem with when it's presented in this manner of Mm. you should do this instead of punishing the behavior because I just couldn't imagine trying to navigate through life. And let's take... Differential reinforcement of other behaviors. I couldn't imagine if somebody was trying to tell me to stop doing something, right, in this room, right? Stop mm-hmm. fidgeting with it with this, mm-hmm. right? And their way of trying to get me to stop fidgeting with this was to just start randomly rewarding me for anything else that I do in this room, but never <laughs> actually saying anything when I do yeah. that thing. Yeah. I couldn't imagine it. No. I really couldn't, right? Or alternative behaviors, right? If I was fidgeting with this and they said, 
here's this. Here, hold. Well, this would actually technically be uh, 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 incompatible behavior, right? They said, here, hold this pen. Yeah. Right? And I held this pen, right? And then what accidentally could happen, like they say, is you could you could accidentally reinforce things that you don't want. What if I start fidgeting with this pen? Because mm-hmm. I got a bad habit of doing that sometimes. Oh, if yeah. I got a pen in my hand, yeah, you're this clicking is happening all <laughs> fucking day long, yep. right? So then you got to say, oh, here, hold this coaster, right? And then I start doing this. If you guys watch our vlogs, every now and then you'll hear this noise in the microphone a lot. And it's because I'm holding a coffee cup and I'm fucking and tapping on that <laughs> coffee cup. And sometimes I'm holding it really close to my microphone and it's really fucking yeah. annoying. Right? Page but they're never it. actually saying, hey, can you stop fidgeting with that? Yeah. Because that would be implementing punishment, which would not be humane. Which What I think is inhumane is not communicating as clearly as you possibly can yeah. with whatever you are uh, trying to teach. Yeah. So I, I was actually going to ask that. I was like, if you say no, like, I mean, you can't even do that, right? Like, because that's <clears throat> addressing... Per, per these differential reinforcement um, uh, definitions we just read, there was no talk of ever using punishment, right? So it said, I think at the beginning here, yeah, extinction is a procedure used to reduce challenging behaviors without the need of punishment, right? Yeah. And the problem is, when you get into punishment, it's applying something to decrease an unwanted behavior. Me telling you, no, don't fidget with that remote, is applying punishment. Yeah. So you would not be standing true to your definitions that you've created if you were to do that, right? The idea is that you could extinguish. The reason why differential reinforcement was created was to try to prove that you can stop, you could, sorry, extinguish increase or decrease unwanted behaviors with these very indirect solutions for things without the need of ever saying, no, don't do that. It's just like the most long-winded, roundabout way to to stop a behavior. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It makes zero sense. It doesn't make sense. Like, and again, like I'm not saying it's all bullshit, right? Like the, the overall principle of it is bullshit, which is that you could stop all your unwanted behaviors utilizing differential reinforcement, mm-hmm. right? Um, where people should take and implement this and where people do implement this is by being mindful of why dogs are rehearsing behavioral issues in the first place. That is, if you're a balanced trainer, th- somehow balanced trainers have gotten sandwiched into a category of if you're using corrections, you're not trying to look at why the dog is rehearsing the behavior in the first place, right? Which is not true, right? No. Anytime I work with a dog that has aggression issues, right? My number one goal is figure out why is the dog rehearsing this behavioral yeah. issue, right? So we can come up with a solution for that to the best of our abilities because I think there are some things that the reinforcement behind why the dog is doing it you won't have control over chasing Mm. squirrels right you will not have control over what the other squirrels are doing if I go out in public and people are making kissy noises to my dog and my dog lunges at them right I am not always going to have control over other people making kissy noises at my dog yeah right So I need to look at why is the dog rehearsing the behavior in the first place and then I as the human need to logically ask myself is this a truly warranted reason why a dog would rehearse a behavioral issue if it's something I don't have control over? And if that's the case, I need to manage it. Let me give you an example, right? If I go out in public, right? And let's say I didn't have control over this, which I think I do have control over this. Let's say every time I went out in public, a kid came yelling, screaming, and running full bore at my dog and then bear hugged them, mm. right? And then my dog acted aggressively and bit them. 
the reason why the dog is rehearsing the behavior is because that child is making a huge commotion, invading their space, and scaring the shit out of the dog. Yep. Right? Um, and if I said I didn't have control over the child doing that and that was going to happen inevitably, that would not necessarily be a fair thing that I said I'm going to punish my dog for this and try to inhibit it because the reinforcement behind the behavior is too strong mm-hmm. for the punishment to totally suppress and inhibit that response. Yeah. Right? So I would have to manage. I would say, well, I'm not going to go places that have children that are going to do that at them. Mm-hmm. Right? But in the case of kissy noises, somebody makes a kissy noise at my dog when they're walking down the street and my dog lunges and tries to bite their face, that is something that I would look at and use my logical human brain and say that my dog probably can annoy th- or can could avoid that distraction, mm-hmm. can ignore that distraction. Yeah. Right? So I would punish away that behavior, and though I still don't have control over that, I could punish the behavior stopping it and then add in differential reinforcement of other behaviors. Mm-hmm. And any behavior aside from lunging at the people while they did that, I could reinforce them for it, and I could use a combination of both. Right? Yeah. So it's just all of these things. This is my problem with a lot of force-free concepts in general. Some of them are really good in theory, right? The idea of differential reinforcement is very good in theory, right? Let's remove reinforcement behind things that we don't want the dog to do, and let's reinforce more things that the dog is doing that don't pertain to that, right? Mm -hmm. I was doing a lesson the other day with this dog, dog reactive dog, and the dog is making a lot of progress, doing very, very well, actually, all things considered. We saw like 15 dogs the other day, no reactions out of the dog, right? And, and in comparison, a couple sessions ago when the dog was reacting at every dog they saw, massive progress. So we, we've been adding differential reinforcement. We'll call it back into the mix, right? Yeah, yeah. And actually, let, let me categorize this specifically, right? So initially, we started with differential reinforcement of incompatible behaviors, mm-hmm. right? Or I should say the owner started with that. Okay. The owner would reinforce when the dog looked at him, mm-hmm. right? That's an incompatible behavior. Your dog can't really look at you and react at another dog at the same time. Now, mind you, we've already True. inhibited the unwanted behavior, so yeah. this differential reinforcement is just to help reinforce further to the dog the correct behavior, Yeah. right? So then we started rewarding for differential reinforcement of alternative behaviors. Because I told him, I was like, I want you to up the reward frequency. Don't worry about the attention. Just worry about the dog not reacting. Mm. So if the dog looked at the other dog and didn't lunge and react, we reinforced for that, Okay. right? But even then, I was finding that the owner was not reinforcing at the rate in which I wanted him to, Mm. right? The dog was doing so good, but he was still waiting for specific things that the dog was doing. In this case, it was just look at the dog and don't react, which would be an alternative behavior, right? Laying there calmly, right? So we switched then to differential reinforcement of other behaviors, which was I told him if a dog goes by, if your dog literally does anything except react at the other dog, Mm -hmm. pump that dog full of treats, right? So he started reinforcing for anything. If the dog walked towards him, looked at him, laid down, sat, anything else that was not reacting at the other dog, we were adding Mm -hmm. in differential reinforcement for it, Yeah, right? And um, that allowed us to to up the reward frequency quite a bit, right? So I think a lot of the reason why you also would work through these procedures of other behaviors, alternative behaviors, incompatible behaviors, is because the easier you make the criteria, the first of which being the easiest, second being the middle, the last being the hardest, the higher your probability of being able to give reinforcement is going to be. Or sometimes with incompatible behaviors, if your dog still in the back of their mind really wants to to rehearse the behavioral issue that we're trying to extinguish or inhibit, um, it could be harder to get them to perform the incompatible behavior Mm. because it's too strict of a criteria for them initially. 
yeah. right? So by reinforcing for other behaviors, you can gain a little bit of attention mm -hmm. out of the dog in this case, right? Yeah. So that you could switch to an alternative behavior and then finally an incompatible behavior. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so glad you, you brought that example up because, yeah, this this has <laughs> great merit to it, but mm -hmm. it's it's a good addition on top of after you've, you know, worked through the punishments and corrections and the dog knows yes. the right and wrongs. And that's just helping reinforce the rights after mm -hmm. you've already got that baseline. Yeah. You know? And yeah. And, and I, I think the problem would be, I think a lot of people, if I said I'm using differential reinforcement in that example, mm -hmm. a lot of people in the, the hard force-free world would say, no, you're not because <laughs> you used punishment still. Yeah. Right? But it's not. But this is what I mean. All these concepts, they have so much merit to them by themselves, mm -hmm. right? And they are important things to learn about and to implement because they can help you quite a bit. In the example of the reactive dog, me understanding how to work through differential reinforcement and the different examples here allowed me to find a way to have the owner have a much higher weight rate of reward mm -hmm. um, while still accomplishing the same thing, yep. right? Um, but because I also have a very clear understanding of utilizing punishment for things, I was able to successfully inhibit the unwanted behavior. So I didn't have to play this gamble of trying to eliminate all the reinforcement behind the dog reacting in the first place, because in some cases reacting by itself is reinforcing the dogs, mm -hmm. getting your adrenaline kicked up and lunging and barking and the other dog going away. Yeah. There's very little you're going to be able to do out in the real world. And especially in these people's case, they live in a townhouse in a very populated, very dog friendly area. Mm -hmm. They are are not going to have control over all of those other dogs. So it would be near impossible to create extinguish, uh, extinction of that behavior mm -hmm. without adding in some sort of punishment for the behavior because mm -hmm. of that. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Like, like, like you said, it's great in theory, but it's, it's great when you have a baseline already Yeah. at the end of the day. Like it's a, it's a great help to reinforce, yeah. you know, what the dog is supposed to be doing. But I, don't, I, th I just think using that as the sole way to teach, mm -hmm. you know, well, I guess unlearn bad behaviors is just, yeah. I, you're, I don't know. You're just well, making it so much harder. The, what you just said, right? Like it, it is used to try to unlearn yeah. things, right? Yeah. But unfortunately, it, no matter, again, how much they unlearn it, it doesn't actually ever extinguish the behavior. Yeah. There are dogs that may not have rehearsed things in years. That suddenly three years down the road, the reinforcement behind that behavior pops up again. And because you've never created an inhibition, mm -hmm. they're going to go do it. Yeah. I don't know. It's just funny, though, the the terminology, too, like the extinction of, you know, it's yeah. just so funny. I mean, I get it. You have to have things you can clearly define, obviously. Yeah. But, like, some of this stuff can just be read in a way more plain way. Oh yeah, you know, like, yeah, a hundred percent. Like, like, what was the one, the one word that we saw in here? Maladaptive yeah. behaviors. <laughs> Maladaptive behaviors. Unwanted yeah. behavior. Unwanted. <laughs> yeah. So. Jeez. So yeah, that's our crash course into differential reinforcement. Yeah, sounds ridiculous, but still usable. Not ridiculous. Again, it's it's no, yeah, not the I, overall principle behind it is a yeah, little ridiculous, yeah. right? When you look at the bigger bigger purpose behind it. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important to learn about and understand the yeah. different types of, of, of differential reinforcement, obviously. Yeah. So you can implement them into your training program with your own spin like we do. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. I guess the, the ridiculousness is the how it's being used right now. Yeah. Like the, the popular thing on the reels and TikTok. <clears throat> 
and this is where I get into, I talk a lot about force-free training, mm-hmm. generally falling into a trap of constantly micromanaging a dog, right? So like mm-hmm. if you're constantly dependent on your dog to do A, B, C, or D, to not mm-hmm. do A, B, C, or D, <laughs> you will forever have to ask them to do all those types yeah. of things. You're gonna be, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I just don't want to do that. Like I want my dogs to just live their life and understand what I want them to do and understand what I don't want them to do yeah. so that they could be free to make their own choices and be their own independent people. Yeah. Like we say that they should be because we're not dog owners anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Can't say that. Yeah. You're not my property. Not my property. <laughs> yeah, but you don't want to be A, B, C, and Ding for the rest of your dog's no, life. Don't do that. That's terrible. <laughs> so that's it. We're going to yep. end that on that short one today. Short little one on uh, differential reinforcement. And then yeah. we'll be back Thursday with you. Yeah, I'd never heard of it. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we went through it. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's like stuff that like we yeah i've seen you implement before i just never heard of the scientific term i guess you know yeah i don't think i've ever like said to an owner i'm using differential reinforcement <laughs> right now yeah they, dude you would say that and their eyes would just glaze over incompatible like, behavior <laughs> i would say that i've used that term with people before because i yeah. think that one term out of all of them kind of makes sense logically as mm-hmm. far as what it is yeah you know uh, but yeah the rest yeah no. i maybe you should use that uh, in, instead of unwanted behavior, you should put, say maladaptive. Yeah, your dog's showing maladaptive behavior. <laughs> They'd be like, "Shut up, bro." Yeah. <laughs> All right, Josh. All right. You got anything else you got to add? No, I, I've said my piece. All right. So, well, that's it. If you guys have any other topics or questions, let us know. Yeah. If not, we'll see you Thursday. Yeah. Have a good one.